Who's he going for, Pagan? All you need is tickets and chalk. Change the prices, take money and win. Done our dough, chaps. We've done our dough. I'd seen patronising attitude. That's unfair. I would see. I would see betting shops return to laying bets as opposed to being mini casinos. Big warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry Special, and this is a special regarding on-course bookmaking, the future of it, the current state of it, as well as a look at the off-course markets as well. And to chew the fat for this forty-five minutes or so, are two very distinguished guests. First of all, I'll introduce James Lovell. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, James is currently pioneering a new online service called dragonbet.co.uk. He's the son of uh, John Lovell, on-course bookmaker for many years, the first to introduce computerised systems into on-course betting. And certainly, last but not least, Anthony Comiscus. Welcome, Anthony. How's it going? You all right? Yes, very well. Anthony's had many years uh, on the other side of the fence, making a, a very, very good living from backing horses. He's now decided, for some reason, to buy lots and lots of pictures, move across the water to Ireland, going to make it pay, hopefully, uh, on that side of the fence. So, right, welcome, gentlemen. So, first of all, Anthony, come to you. Why the decision? to do this to buy lots of pitches in ireland and basically make it pay from the other side of the fence that's a bloody good question to answer you <laughs> uh, i don't know I've, I've lived in ireland since 2008 so i've been in i've been in ireland a while i've been in ireland 14 years why the bookmaking side of things i kind of wanted it to use it as a route to getting into bookmaking and maybe doing something bookmaking even further in it along the line and using the on-course side of things to to just get the name out there a little bit as well i kind of always had a bit of a fascination with the on-course book makers what i've learned but what i've learned is there's some smart guys around it might not be your your polished suit and tie well some of them are but suit and tie wearing types in companies but uh, there's some very very smart i, I kind of like what do they call it the university of life types they're, they're very very smart and uh, you get plenty of them in bookmaking so I've, I've learned plenty when i've been on the course so far but why i got into it i just thought I'm doing a lot of pricing myself. Pricing is a thing that's kind of been pushed to the back burner in, in a lot of off-course bookmakers. It's kind of, it's a skill that's kind of half no longer required and it's all quant-driven pricing, which has got plenty of holes in it. So I used to, I, I bet against those types day-to-day -day, and also I just thought there was still a premium on pricing. I think if you can price markets just in general, not so much horses, even just other sports in general, I think that's a, a skill that's on the decline but for me, it's always proved very, very important. And it's also just what I'm interested in as well. So it's kind of marrying the two up. And I thought like the way the European bookmakers have gone off course, it's, as, as the Yanks call it, it's all very soft bookmaking. I kind of want to get into a bit more hard bookmaking. So that's, that's kind of where the interest came from. Did it also stem from perhaps that it's not as easy to, to get on things these days <clears> as well? <throat> Was that sort of an influencing factor in your decision? Yeah, I think it definitely isn't as easy. The, the barriers to entry to getting on are definitely quite hard. For me, from a punting side of things, my turnover has never been higher. So it, it kind of half suits me as well that people can't get on because a lot of people give up. And I think if you can put things in place, like I'm a bit OCD and a bit mad into processes and putting stuff in place to, 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 to develop things and, and get things on. So I think the one advantage of that is I can organise and I can... I can find loopholes around different things and 
like I say, my turnover's never been higher. And also you find a lot of the smart guys just kind of give up and haven't got that willingness to really grind getting on. But then again, from the bookmaking side of things, I think you see a lot of guys that probably shouldn't be restricted getting restricted. And there's probably a gap in the market there for being able to service those guys, basically. Yeah, good stuff. James, I'm coming to you now. I mean, obviously, how many on-course pitches do you have, James, at the moment? I have about 16, but there's quite a few I only use once or twice a year. For example, I've got a pitch at Kempton I only use on King George Day, but my mainstay would be I'd be at Chepstow every meeting, Fosslass, Goodwood I enjoy going to. Scott says a few different courses to go to, but a lot of them is kind of, well, it's the nature of the game at the moment. You have to pick your days. Unfortunately, race course bookmaking is going more into a part-time job than a full-time job. So you've got to pick your days and kind of attack when things are good. So a lot of those pitches we don't use very often, but Chepstow's my main course. I love being at Chepstow. I've got my first memories of five-year-olds stood there at Chepstow. I think I've been a winner then, I'm a better winner since at <laughs> Chepstow. But yeah, I love being there and they're my main courses. Yeah. And so, so what was the inspiration behind dragonbet.co.uk? Why do you think you could make online bookmaking work where to be fair, a lot of new ventures that have gone into the online marketplace have, have not fared so well. But So what do you think you could add to make Dragon Bet better for people? Well, it could be the, the world's worst move, I suppose, and with the upcoming regulatory headwinds with the Gambling Commission coming through the review and affordability checks. But I, I just think, well, firstly, it was COVID. COVID made us think differently about the on-course. We shut down for a while. And things have changed on course. It's not getting any easier. So we thought we'd give it a go online. So we're going to try and be a niche bookmaker in the sense that we're going to kind of target Welsh sport, promote Welsh sport, give Welsh specific offers and try and look after, be, be a local bookmaker. Because in a non-corporate, in a corporate world, I personally feel that people want a non-corporate kind of business to interact with and a family business with a, with on-course roots. So hopefully we'll stay true to those on-course roots and provide something that these big companies can't give. Yeah, because I mean, the the one thing I have noticed with the online world in the last, I would say, last last five years or so, particular, is the the poor level of customer service, irrespective of whether you can get on or whether you know take that aside. I think the old art of good customer service seems to have evaporated from the industry. You you get staff that don't know what they're talking about, the and so on and so on. Punters have contacted me; they get really frustrated with their experiences at, tr- at trying to resolve issues, you know, with the, with their online bookmaker. And I think that's where hopefully Dragon Bet, something like that, you, you could add that sort of more personal service in I, terms of, I you know. That's, the, it. that's certainly the aim. And, and, and it's the same with the race course. I mean, we can't compete with going to the race course. We can't compete on price for the race course. We can't give best odds guaranteed because, because it's a transient customer base. But what we can do is add a bit of value through being, being a human and just interacting with people and giving a bit of customer service and feeling a bit of pain when they back a winner and sharing a bit of joy when they when they when they draw a few quid and it's a, it's a changing world the world's gone corporate it's, it's mad people don't see people they're stuck at home working from home so having some interaction and providing a bit of customer service is a huge thing that we can really add value to people with yeah so coming back to to on course then basically what can you guys do to sort of get people out the bars off the phones coming back into the ring i mean if you go back to the glory days of racing where we had big mac in the rings and you know he was creating energy and passion and i know we don't get the same market moves in the ring because of because of the exchange what do you think either you could or the, or the ring can do in itself to to basically try and put some life into the betting ring okay i'll leave that to you <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite simple to be honest with you. I think the race courses themselves need to get people through the door. 
I think all the things James just said there about you're dealing with it on a person-to-person basis. I think people talk about guaranteed prices. If you go to the race course, you don't need them because your prices are that bloody good in the first place. So I think that's a big champion and point for us is our prices are just better than offline. Just absolute fact. Close to the off, we bet harder. Offline bet softer. And you might get your people talk about bloody an extra place here, an extra place there. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're... If you're six to one and the fifty odds the first four, you're getting six to five your place, and I might be eight to one a quarter the first three, and you're getting two to one first three against six to five first four. Like I know which one's better, and it's and it's my price again on the win and the place part. So I'm very positive that if, if you're anywhere price sensitive, and I know a lot of people aren't, but I think if you're experience sensitive, you go to the on course bookmakers, or you should do. And I think if you're price sensitive, you go to the on-course bookmakers as well. And I think if you want to get on, you go to the on-course bookmakers as well. We've got plenty going for us. I think we probably need a little bit more help off the race courses, actually getting people through the door and directing them towards a betting ring rather than rather than directing them towards a bar and having a fight, basically. Um, yeah. there's, there's plenty about the betting ring that's absolute class, as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned. Listen, I'm the, I'm the biggest mourner in the world and I'll have a... <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have a morn on the days where there's not many people there and stuff like that but it's not my job to get people into the race course it's my job to service them well and i think we do that pretty well on course better than any other alternative as far as i'm concerned like you won't believe how hard they bet like i can't bet as hard as some of the lads at the front end of the giving a props to my colleagues like i know a lot of bookmakers the old school way of bookmaking is to get the favorite in the book and build a book around the favorite well I don't operate that way. So you can you can get your good prices on your middle to outsiders with me. And you can also usually bet favourites with some of my competitors as well. And you, you'd be betting into 100% books half the time. There's some serious value, some serious, serious value on course. And I think that's what we need to be championing. But I also think, just to reiterate, race courses need to pull the finger out Stop getting fat on media rights because when they end, they'll be fucked. And get people through the door and get the next generation into the race course and, and having a small few quid on as well. No, well said. J- James, I'm coming to you. Is that the case, James, do you think? I mean, whenever I see uh, bookmakers price on the television and, you know, broadcasts on ITV, which don't, they don't do much of, it seems to me that the books are always well under the um, – the, the Betfair pricing, for example, is is that that the case, or or do you see evidence like like Anthony says that there is a lot of hard betting in the ring and there is a lot of value offered by various books? Do you do you agree with that? Definitely, what Anthony says right. When you're looking at ITV, remember you're looking at the marquee meetings where we don't have to bet as hard as as we do. So we, at Cheltenham, you're not, they're not going to bet to half a percent of runner because they got a big crowd and they're taking plenty of turnover, but. Believe me, bookmakers are greedy, and when there's when there's not much money there, they'll bet hard. They're trying to get every penny off every punter in there. Um, so there's plenty of value. There's plenty of value. And the other thing to note is people love coming to the races and having a bet with a bookmaker. I mean, there's a real, it's a special thing. It's part of the race they experience. I think the race courses are starting to notice that now. I know the Jockey Club have dropped our badge money this week. They're giving us a reduction. But as Anthony said, we need to get people through the door. Once they're through the door and have a bet with a bookmaker, they enjoy it. It's something special about British racing is British bookmakers and there's some real characters and some real interactions you just won't get in everyday life and it should be championed as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, growing up myself, um, you know, the, the, the betting ring was something else, something to, to witness, the tic-tacs, the, you know, the sheer, the faces, ev- everything, it was electric. But I mean, basically, for me, the game is dying what principal reason why is it dying do you, do you both agree that 
the on-course market is dying? Is, is it because of admission prices? Is it because of cashless? What is driving the, these attendances down, for example? There'd be a multitude of reasons. I mean, there's the, the first killer, it, it depends how far you want to go back. The first killer for the race course was the tax and the betting shops. When they stopped the tax and the betting shops, that was the first nail that come across. Then the, the obvious thing is the internet. We're up against the internet. And even if even if we are offering a, a, a level product, which in many cases we're not, we can't, we can't afford to, people are just used to betting on the internet. But once people are there and get through the door and do have a bet with the bookmaker, they enjoy it and they come back and they do it again. Do, do you think there's an argument then to maybe, like, for example, Chester, they, they have blockers that, that make it extremely difficult to get on, on Betfair if you're using your mobile phone, or it was the last time I was there. Do you think there's an argument for that? To basically stop punters accessing exchange prices, maybe on course, is that is that workable? No, I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good idea. You can't be restricting people's uh, restricting lib- liberties when they're on the race course. I don't think. I think we just got to champion what we do. Like, uh, I don't think you need to block. Like, uh, if you want to bet into Betfair and get a small bet matched at a better price than the ring and have to and have to chase a price down under the ring to, to get on fine you're going to pay your two percent commission if you actually win a few quid you're going to pay 40 percent commission like some of us have to pay it's soulless experience I, I honestly think a lot of people don't realize how just not price sensitive people are people are experience driven i think a lot of the time and i think you don't get an experience off course or online and you get it on the race course and i think race courses also need to work with on-course bookmakers, we're going to get people returning to your track by giving them a very, very positive experience. And race course bookmakers aren't there to be milked because there's not much to be milked in the first place. But we're part of the experience. You you take away race course bookmakers, give 50 old women walking around with a tall terminal and not, nobody will come back. I swear to God, nobody will come back because it's soulless. The betting ring is absolutely class as far as I'm concerned. And Race courses should be working with us. They should be paying us to turn up. We, we provide a, that much of a bloody experience for people and it's a bit of crack and everything. You can stand next to a tour desk and watch how miserable the people are that have a bet on the tour. <laughs> like, like, honestly, the tour, I, I just can't get my head around why people have bet on the tour in the UK or Ireland. It is grim. Come and bet in the betting ring. Yeah, yeah Anthony makes a good point there as well about the money you can get on, on, the, on the race courses. It's phenomenal. You can get huge bets on the race course and you'd be struggling to get whatever on the exchanges, even the exchanges at their, their height. Don't take the money the race course takes now. There's, there's big players, big players coming every day to the race course and, and we want to take them on. We're bookmakers. We want action. We're gamblers. We're there, we're there to take people on. It's what, we, it's what we want. We've all got egos. We all want to say I laid this and I laid that. So come and have a go with us. No, I, I, I like this. This is why it's excellent to have you two on the show because you are the. I see you, you two as the future of of on of on course markets. Young, you 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 know the time of day. You've you've done both sides of the fence, if you like. What's your strategy then? When, let's say Anthony James, you 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 make a favourite, a, a bad favourite. So it's priced at seven or four. It's been seven or four all day. It opens up seven or four. Anthony, on your card, you've got it three to one plus, maybe more, maybe seven or two. What's the strategy with it? How would you approach that race? I'll be honest with you. I'm slightly different again to people. If it's if I'm three to one something in the morning and I turn up at the race course and 20 minutes before the off, it's 74 for even for 200 quid on bet for, I'm going, I've made a mistake being three to one. I'm not an absolute ballsy. Well, I'll go two to one like this. I'll tell you what, I'll be, I'll be out of the game quick enough if I start doing that. What I tend to do is, and it's different to a lot of people, is I won't go seven to four, 15 to eight, that favorite. I'll go, I'll go 13 to eight. 
Well, what I will do is I respect the market. You have to be careful. Like the lads who follow Betfair religiously just have to be careful because it's weak as anything. It's even weak 15 minutes to the off these days. It, it's, it's weak. People talk about, oh, this was the price on Betfair. Well, you, you have your 40 quid at that price. You're not getting much more 15 minutes to the off, whereas you can get five grand on a race course. No problem. So that's just one of the arguments against just stop quoting these mythical exchange prices because you can't get them for any kind of liquidity. What I tend to do is, and my approach is, like I said, the old school guys tend to get the favourite in the book and then try and build a book around it. And I just think that is dumb for want of a better word. I try and build margin into every single price I offer. And what that means is I think I'm getting the best at, at that moment in time when I'm laying bet. I'm confident that I can lay a bet because you're not going to get knocked back. I think I've got margin built into every single selection on my board. Now, obviously, I get things wrong. Um, but what I don't do is I, I don't go two to one and bet to minus two percent expected on, on my favorite because there's just no I, I don't need to lay that bet. That's that's just a dumb bet as far as I'm concerned. The bets, the, the prices on my board are there to be laid, basically. But I'm factoring in what I think I'm going to get a bit out of each selection. Obviously, if something moves drastically on the show, I'm going to be in very bad. But that's the way I approach things. I don't see the point of betting really hard at the front end of a market and betting the front end of the market to nothing. And even if you lay bets, you, your expected value is nothing. So what what's the point of it? You're just flipping coins for money there. Like, I'm trying to build margin into my prices, and that's, that's the way I approach it anyway. Yeah, James, are you in agreement with that? Exactly the same. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not clever enough to know. People are better judges than me. A lot better judges than me. It wouldn't be hard to do that. But so I, I have a belief in the prices. I've got to work to a margin. I don't. It's not my job to know the horse. It's not my job to know the form. My job job is to take a decent bet at the right price. So I'm just trying to lay things at the right price. Whether it's a favourite, whether it's a rag, I'm just trying to lay it at the right price. Take some money for it and go on to the next next race. Uh, Anthony, I'll come to you because obviously Ireland's not a scene I'm really familiar with on, on course markets. From some of the television pictures, it seems that the sort of the, the, the quieter meetings, or you'd think quieter meetings, seem quite quite busy from the TV pictures. Whereas the bigger meetings, like the Curra recently, you think you think you took your think you took your your bat and ball home. I think after a few races, so, so is, is is that true? Yeah, to be honest with you, you look at for me what what it all comes down to is how much how much effort the track management make to get people through the door. Basically, like I'm sponsoring at the Curra, I get on well with some of the people at the Curra. I've not had a bad person to person experience with people at the Curra, like management that I've I've dealt with. I think they've been. They've been pretty good and they're trying, but the Curra, like you look at, I'll, I'll list a few tracks for you and you'll think these are big tracks for, well, they are big for, for the actual type of race they put on them, the quality of horse they attract, the Curra, Leopardstown, Punchestown, like those meetings, there's nobody there, basically. A lot of the time on the quieter meetings at some of these tracks, there's nobody there. Furry House runs, runs the Irish Grand National. A lot of their meetings... 80% of their meetings, I know they have a lot of flat meetings, but like flat racing in Ireland, I know it's been made the point of, and it, it is true as well, flat racing in Ireland just doesn't really attract crowds, just full stop. There's not, not much of a following of flat racing. That might be down to, I don't know what that's down to. There'd be Irish people that go back a lot further than me that would be able to give the proper answers for that. I'd imagine it's slightly down to the dominance of a certain yard over, over a number of years and making things quite uncompetitive. National hunt racing kind of gets them out a little bit, but like even Punchestown, there was a lot of like even at the the bookmaker AGM at Punchestown, there was a pitch three away from mine that that was sold at the AGM just prior to the Punchestown festival, and it actually made more than I thought it was. 
And after I worked the Punchestown Festival, it, it must have made miles more than it was worth for a start. Like the Punchestown Festival, what you find there is like on all the racing is well, some of the better races are obviously good. There's a there's a lot of padding to it as well. But the shape of the races isn't great for you. Like you're away day meetings at like say for example, Garon Park that was on yesterday, you're getting a lot of sixteen runner handicaps. There's no fifth or first four in Ireland. We're we're a quarter of the four on the course in Ireland, and it's you're betting to nothing on quite a few races. Then you've got a few uncom- uncompetitive maidens sprinkled sprinkled around you. Your sixteen hundred handicaps, <laughs> small crowds. Like no one's going to feel sorry for an on-course bookmaker, but those situations are tough. The Curragh just don't get. As long as I've been in Ireland, to be honest with you, the Curragh haven't got crowds. Guinea's weekend was exceptionally disappointing. I thought I thought that was actually going to be okay. Friday night was poor. Saturday was moderate. Sunday was dead, absolutely dead. Uh, I think that was Oaks Day, dead, absolutely nobody there. So, like, you think of these big races, the Irish Oaks, oh, sorry, the Irish Guineas, sorry, Guineas. There's just, there's no one there. There's actually no one there. There's a couple of, there might be a few highfalutin types that are in the box upstairs, but uh, the, the general public just aren't there, essentially. Whereas what you'll see on the flip side is your lay towns. How lay towns only one day of the year, I do not know. Lay towns should be on six times a year. It's unbelievable. Bellies Town was six times a year, I think, for a number of years. I think it's eight this year for the first time, or the first time I can remember. Bellies Town's class. Like, you get people that have a bet there. One of the tracks I like is Navin. Like, no one will talk about Navin. It's bloody freezing, and the racing wouldn't be unbelievable there. But the track management, which is half the battle, do the best to get people in through the door. We had our debut in Tremor there last week or whenever it was, and a lot of the bookmakers were saying, oh, that wasn't great and everything. It was fucking, jeez, it was 10 times better than the current, 10 times better than Leopard's Town that, 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 that Thursday, the day before. So I don't know. I think when people say on course is dying, I, 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 I definitely agree it's declining. What I've paid for my pitches, I've factored in a depreciation in those values when, when I'm making my deals anyway. But I think it all comes down to the management of the tracks and how much effort they're putting in to get people through the door. And what you tend to find is in the in provincial island, they're making more of an effort. Whereas I think in suburban island, with all the people around them, I think they're just getting fat on media payments just in general. And I think it's uh, if I was in HRI, I'd be worried about that, to be honest with you. No, very good. James, Anthony made some great points there. Do you think that's the case with, with British race courses? Yes, in my experience, the track management is is so important. We've got Phil Bell at Chepstow, who is just beyond wonderful. He's really changed things around. He thinks about things. But he's under ARC's guidance, and they've had a, during COVID, they had a change of management structure, whereas all the marketing became centralised. So instead of each team having their own market, each race course having their own marketing team, I think there's a few guys in Lingfield now who do the marketing for the whole of ARC. And it's just, it can't be the same. You need that local, you need, race courses are, are different. That's the beauty of British race courses. Races. It's different in every little, every race course you've got, it's got little nuances, they're different kind of days, different people. And you need people at the track who understand the track and the demographics around it to bring the right people there. Thankfully, at Chester, we got Phil Bell. He was telling me at Brighton the other day, they didn't have a sponsor for the whole meeting. I mean, Brighton wow. race course, big race course, big catchment area. And they haven't got the management there to, to get a sponsor for the meeting for any races or anything. So it, people are important. In, in all jobs, people are important, but you need the right people at the top of a race course to help yeah. us, to help themselves. I mean, do, do you think, though, that that race courses are just out of touch as well with the public. I We know that they've, they've also probably had a tough time uh, through the pandemic, i.e., you know, no income. But 
in terms I don't of, think they have. I don't think they've had a tough time. I think, they've, think? Had, I think they've seen the. I think. I think they've seen the light. Ark and the likes have seen the light of not having people there and being able to provide a product with media payments yeah. where they don't even need people through the door. I think they've had it right off, to be honest with you. And I think they're going to keep having it that way. And I think they're going to do. They're going to make the customer experience worse, from what I can see. Until nobody turns up and horse racing should, it's a massive, massive red flag. I don't feel sorry for racecourses at all. I think they're, I think they're getting fat and lazy on media right payments. To be honest with you, yeah. And I'd love them to, I'd love them to get halved, and they'd have to do something about it. To be honest with you, but um, I mean, do you guys know any truth in that rumor that Simon not posted regarding Ark allegedly discussing with trainers and some jockeys regarding racing behind closed doors with their own? Sort of brand of racing, if you like. Disgrace if it's true. It's an mm. absolute disgrace if it's true. I put something on Twitter, not that anyone looks at my Twitter, but I put something about four days before he said that. Without, I wouldn't have spoken to Simon about that. I wouldn't have known he tweeted that. But I said that, from what I can see, Ark are trying to turn British racing into into more bags tracks for, for Grahams. Nobody there. And just product tipping away and going round and round and nobody caring about it. Like, Graham racing is absolutely broken beyond belief and arc of a decent stranglehold on that as well ah it's grim it's grim bha hri got to wake up to these people getting fat on media payments and it's it's only going one way and it's down if, if that's the way it'll be what could the bha do guys i mean i mean i mean the, the thing is they lost the fixtures rights years ago so they can't stop tracks from racing when they want like you said we have clashes like chester and haydock and last other week it was chester haydock and carmel racing on the same day now obviously those tracks have every right if that's what they want to do they, they can attract the crowds i don't i don't know if they did or not but things like that the bha powerless to, to intervene can could they stop a juggernaut like art i wouldn't be very well placed to know to be honest but like you say they are a huge juggernaut arc and they're a they're a big machine and it takes some stopping. For me, this is like Anthony summed it up well when he said it's it's going the same way as the sort of the ground model, where if racing's not careful, we're potentially going to be seeing racing start at 10:30 every day and finish at 8:30 every day, nearly every day of the year. I think that's ARC's dream model where it's a media rights payment. In fact, if ARC did their own racing, as in not licensed by the BHA, i.e. flapping, and sold their product abroad, you know, I don't know what's there to, to stop them doing that if they actually brought that in. I've no idea. Thoughts? It's a worry. It's just a worry. That's all you can say on it, I think. You know, mm. Yeah, I think they have to find a way to... It's all about incentives. They've got to find a way for, for race courses to be incentivized to get people through the door. And at the moment, it's just going the other way. I don't know what you'd do. I don't know how you do it. I'm not that all fair with how fixtures are awarded and allocated. But I think if you're getting nobody through the door for your fixtures, take fixtures off them. Simple as that. Take fixtures off them. There needs to be, or reduce the media payments or whatever way you go about it. We've got to get people through the door. Like horse racing. Like people are saying, oh, I'm not even talking about this from an on-course sport-making point of view. I'm talking about this from a UK and Irish horse racing point of view. Horse racing, it's on its ass anyway. It, lads used to laugh at me. When I left Powers, I said there's probably 20 or 30 years left in horse racing and it'll be gone. And people are laughing at me and I think I'm being probably over-optimistic now. Like, it's fucking 15 years, isn't it? Like, it's fucking... Yeah. Decisions have got to be made now. Honestly, it's, I think it's on its ass. The whole the whole game is on its ass, And it's not bump-making. It's not an on-course bump-making thing. It's a horse racing thing. 
I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't. It's on its ass. I mean, you go the good meetings when it's when it's priced correctly and people want to go. You get good crowds. So I went to and it's different. A point to point on Easter weekend. You've never seen a crowd like it. People love going horse racing. It, people love it. So it's just got to be marketed right and put right. It's, it doesn't have to be on its ass. It doesn't have to be the way it is. As long as it's managed correctly, there's a demand. There's undoubtedly a demand for horse racing. It's a great product. Who goes to the races and doesn't enjoy himself? Win or lose. Just yeah. to look after it properly and make sure it's run correctly. Speaking of point to points, James, just enlighten people that probably fancied going point to point and and sort of ne- never have. What's the sort of entry fees up for a point day? Firstly, if you haven't been to a point to point, go. You will definitely enjoy it. So I think no, it varies from course to course. It's normally costs you about a tenner a man. Sometimes they do twenty pounds per car, so you end up with a whole family of thirty people in one car trying to <laughs> squeeze in. But um. It's, it's a great day. I mean, in Wales especially, we've got we've got such a crop of jockeys that have come through. So I enjoy it. You get to see the firstly from a bookmaking point of view, there's no exchanges. So this is the time that I do study the card. I do have a look at bit of fall, um, and you can back your own opinions. So bookmaking is brilliant. There's an active market. It's changing. It's like the old days. There's six to one here, four to one here. It goes quickly. It comes back. It's a brilliant, lively market with big money staked as well. You'd be surprised at some of the bets to take. But from a grassroots point of view, like I said, we've got a golden crop of Welsh jockeys at the moment. We've got Conor Brace, Ben Jones, Lorcan Williams, the Bowen brothers. They've all come through point to point. So if you want to get if you want to get in at racing at the grassroots where none of the none of the crap, none of the drunken people in the bars and just to see the sport as it should be, horses running around the field, then get yourself to a point to point and you'll definitely enjoy it. Good stuff. Right, guys. So let's say either you're king for a day. What would you do now? What would you make tracks do? What would you make? What would you do? Just just give me some things to make on-course racing, bookmaking thrive. What would you do? You're king every day, AK. I'll leave it to you. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd just, just be repeating myself, to be honest with you. I think, yeah. I think a, lot of, a, a lot of race courses, like I said, the, the on-course bookmakers are just there to be milked, to be honest with you. You're five times the entry fee to turn up at certain meetings. I think in Ireland, we have a requirement that there has to be ten, a minimum of 10 bookmakers at every meeting. Some of the bookmakers, some of the crowds you could service with two or three bookmakers. There's just there's just not the crowds that even for 10, all the fees associated, it's the same as anything. They're just trying to get cash out of you from, for some reason. I think, honestly, what I'd like to see is, at the end of the day, race courses and on-course bookmakers and punters, all those types of stakeholders, we all want to see race and thrive. Like, I'd be slagging off the low crowds and stuff like that and saying, geez, the management need to do something about this. But at the end of the day, it suits us that they do do something about it. And we actually want them, we want to We want to encourage them to make what we think are the right decisions as well. Whereas I think a lot of the time, some of the stakeholders, i.e. on-course bookmakers being one of them, are just seen as just this voice in the corner that's fucking chipping away, chipping away. Whereas at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. And there's plenty of on-course bookmakers that give their opinions to racecourses for free, but we're barely consulted about certain things and you get certain things enforced upon you. Like I said, there's plenty of brands in, in our ranks, plenty of mourners as well, but um, <laughs> like you could could have some kind of working groups working together. I'd just love to see more, like we're not adversaries of race courses. We all want the same thing. Everyone should be working together to get the same thing, or I think we want the same thing, which is people through the door. So yeah, that's what I'd be thinking, essentially. Yeah. That J- James, what would you change about 
um, British racing. So it, it, to start with is pricing. Obviously, it's, it's too expensive for a day at the races. It costs you a fortune. What was Windsor at one point? Was it they were going to charge 35 quid or something for it? Yeah, it was th- 31 pounds plus a three pound fulfillment fee. Exactly, which is just absolutely insane. You just can't expect people to turn up regularly at those meetings for 31 quid a time. You take you, your missus, the kids. The food's overpriced and the food is crap. The prices are too much. And it's difficult. It's difficult to get to race courses. They should put on buses. They should try and get people there and get get people in free. It's not costing you anything. You're not you're going to get some money, some revenue behind the bar and on the on the food. But prices of entrance free pricing is way too high, and the food is expensive and in most cases crap. Yeah, what I find as well, just in general and just in life in general, is is the further you go up the salary ladder and say you get a job as a race course executive, I think you're probably on your 150 grand a year or whatever. I think there's a real disconnect between people who are on, not even on minimum wage, but on like middling wages and how squeezed they are for actual cash. And I know it's a big thing with probably, it's big over here as well, but probably even not to the extent of the UK with gas prices, electric prices, all these different things, cost of living, wages, not keeping up with inflation. I think as you get more comfortable in life and you move up the ladder, I think there's a lot of people that just aren't as comfortable and I think you can get a disconnect between our oh, state the price of the Orcs Day and uh, I keep saying Orcs Guineas Day at, at the Curra 35 quid in and it's basically 35 quid to walk around a racetrack on your own in, and you've got access to a giant food hall that sells moderate food like no one's going to pay it you, like you can you can protect your, your, your guineas and say oh this is a marquee and fixture and we don't want to degrade it but it degrades it by there being nobody there as far as i'm concerned you need people there and i think there is a disconnect between how much disposable income people have and i just think racecourses in general just even other businesses in general just need to cop on that people like um i'm as affluent i think as as some of the people making the decisions and you need people there it's a vicious circle if there's no no one there there's no atmosphere you need to, you need to create an atmosphere and that's as people enjoying themselves. And the other big point we've missed is the cashless, which is just oh, absolutely, yeah. insane. absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. It's branded, isn't it? It's branded stuff. Why would you? In the real world. The majority well, of people have both. I know people are saying, oh, a lot of our transactions are cashless. I'll tell you what, if they were, if you, if you didn't only offer that opinion, offer that option, there'd be plenty of people paying in cash still. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's not everyone tapping a phone. Why would you, why would you, why would you offer one of the options and not the other one and give people a choice? It's just bizarre. Makes absolutely no sense. I think there was a bookmaker telling me at Brighton the other day, an old fellow caught a, caught the train down from Nottingham, tried to get in the Brighton racecourse, didn't have any, didn't have his card, only had cash, and they were going to refuse him entry. So the bookmaker paid for him to come in. It's just talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, I mean, two two examples that York York have withdrawn all the cash machines. You can't. There's no cash machines now at York, so you can't withdraw cash. Uh, Carlisle, another example the other day where if you turned up at Carlisle with a twenty pound note, which is the admission fee to get in, they wouldn't let you in. It had to be card payment to get in on the day. Now that is complete and utter madness. Why would you imagine how many old folk that have, you know that basically uh, dealing cash, and that's how a lot still run the lives and you basically get to the gate you're not coming in we're not we're not taking cash it's incredible that 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 is uh taking place idiots yeah hexham on the other hand have got it right they are taking cash and they were 12 pound to get in for for an advanced ticket uh, 15 pound on the day 
Uh, food reasonably priced, very good pie and, and pea selection, I think, for a fiver. And they were brimming with crowds. Beautiful race course. Smaller race courses, isn't it? Smaller race courses are more in touch with the people. Like we were saying about Tremor and the sponsorship, and you were saying about Brighton there. Smaller race courses are just more in touch with people and what's going on day to day. And the bigger ones just aren't, basically. It's it's just inc- it's incredible. Like your sm- the small race courses are like your equivalent of, without being derogatory, like non-league football. And you've seen a lot of people turned off from Premier League football and Championship football and the money and the VAR and everything. And people are just going back to going back to basics and getting more enjoyment of following a team that's got a thousand supporters rather than sixty thousand. And I think that's uh, I think that's where you're getting. Like you were saying about point to points, you're just getting the you're getting the experience you want going moving away from your Cheltenham's and actually going to actually going to race courses where you're going to have a good time. Absolutely bang on. We've covered some some great points um, on this show. Um, anything you two would like to add to get off your chest uh, before we bring proceedings to a close? I'd like to dismiss the myth that all bookmakers green up. I think very few. Green up. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, wound, I've wound a few up with that. Uh, you know, I know it's Paul Keeley was on the hill at uh, Epsom with Andy Smith. There's a bit in the paper. I'm on the channel. I can't. I don't pass the affordability check for my racing post, but um, I've seen a few clips of it on the on Twitter about all bookmakers green up. That's just not the case. Bookmakers there, they they want to take money. Wish I would have done yesterday. I lost fifteen hundred quid at Garron Park. So uh, yeah. <laughs> how much could you have greened up for though? Probably <laughs> a couple of hundred quid. A couple of hundred, yeah, three hundred. Yeah, yeah, so now nah, if you if you're greening up, you're basically you might as well go and get a job. It'd be you get more money out of it getting a job somewhere and just going working somewhere. No, as far as I, I think a lot of the there are people who green up. Don't get me wrong, but they're in the they're in the minority as far as I'm concerned. You might try and get out the odds and bet that you think you're on the wrong side of after you, after you lay it. Like, nah, there's no greening up here. You don't need to green up as well. Greening up is money lost basically over time. It wouldn't be a green up merchant, and I don't think the yeah on course bookmakers don't. Some of them do. I think Paul Keeley was at Epsom with Andy Smith, wasn't he, uh, the other day? So I don't think there was much greening up there, I'd say. So he, he might have changed his opinion. <laughs> yeah, I just I like to wind a few up on there. Uh, but I mean, especially the moaners like Steve Tucker Noise. Mean, he, he was moaning. He was moaning at good. Oh, where is he? Was he? Um, was that how he was joining us today? Whoever he is. I don't know. I, he, yeah, he was going to join us, but I think he, I think he's actually racing today. But I think he's he's uh-huh. he's going to Brighton. I think so. He, oh, very good. He, he's backed out, but he was burning like hell. Goodwood apparently. He said there's, there was 23 books there uh, the, for the last meeting there, and he said you could have probably you, you needed about four. That's it, tops. <laughs> so he, he was he was having a good old moan with Steve, but but um, that's how it is. It seems to be at certain British race courses. And well, obviously, I was there at Goodwood, and it was useless. I, that's the worst worst day's racing I've had since coming back from COVID. It was dreadful. But the silver ring was packed, and does that tell you something? You know, the silver ring was absolutely yeah. And I think, so, like, like, you said, like you say, Anthony highlighted. You, you've highlighted the point-to-point scenes, still, still buzzing. Anthony with the not the non-municipal kind of meetings are, are, are thriving. I think that's it. I think you, you've both summed it up. What the problem is, so race course management across the country. I hope you listen to this pod and uh, heed the advice of uh, these two distinguished young and up-and-coming bookmakers. Even though Anthony's just touched thirty-five and now feeling. Feeling old, you're gonna to have to ditch the, the the shorts now, Anthony, and, and uh-huh. wear some proper attire. 
Nah, man, gotta keep these legs out. Get these legs nice and brown, you know. <laughs> Get these sparrow's legs nice and brown. <laughs> Good stuff. Right, thanks a lot, gents, for joining me today. And listeners, I hope you enjoy this and uh, take some things from it and enjoy the pods going forward. That's all from us. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.